Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. We are so happy you've joined us. We have such a fun show today. We're talking about caring for the Hawaiian community with coffee along the way. And we have wonderful guests today. We have Terry Sisko and Tina Clothier. And before I introduce our special guest, we're going to have our Anikona Farm moment. And I guess one way to summarize on what's going on at Anikona Farm, we still do have some coffee cherry that we're picking, but it is starting to wind down. The picking season is winding down for us. But what's really fun, what's coming next, is that the trees in a month or so, maybe two months, will be blooming and they'll have beautiful white flowers. The fragrances on the farm are incredible. It's like a hint of jasmine with a little bit of gardenia. As you walk through the coffee trees, it is just glorious. So I can't wait for the beautiful white flowers. We call that time Kona snow because you see the various trees and fields and it looks like snow. So it's a really fun thing. The other thing we're working on is that we are sharing Anikona in other parts of the world, Anikona coffee. And we are looking at um, maybe sending our coffee to Japan and following up with some of uh, the uh, Japanese luxury ryokans or Japanese inns to have Anikona coffee. So that's a fun project we're working on. So now we get to talk about caring for the Hawaiian community with coffee along the way. And first, if I may introduce Terry Sisko, who's an architect and has his own firm. And Tina Clothier, she actually is an executive director for PATH, which stands for People's Advocacy for Trails in Hawaii. And so we're so delighted and so honored you're here with us. And welcome, Terry and Tina. Well, thank Thank you. you, Thank you. So glad you're here. We were going to share with our listeners all around the world a little bit how you got involved in the community and what you do, some of your early days and some of your favorite stories and favorite coffee stories, a little bit about your personal journeys, some of your family times and growing up times. Terry, what were some of your family times like in your early days? Well, the early days were in Honolulu and um, the, the, the uh, as we got older, the just like any other urban area, all the kids wanted to move to the country. And uh, that's kind of how I ended up in Kona. Most of my friends ended up moving to the North Shore for surfing on, on Oahu. And then eventually that got too city-ish. And so they all moved to Kona. So that's, and then eventually I, I arrived and all the sandwich shop guys and all the uh, uh, people that were running boats and things uh, ended up being the head realtors and bankers. And, and then I just sort of stepped in the door. Oh, my gosh. And for you, Tina, how did you end up in Hawaii? Oh, my gosh. Well, my father was in the military. So we moved every four years and we lived all over the world, Germany, England. My mother's actually English. I was born in England and um, we lived up and down the East Coast And then my father came home one day and said, 
we're going to Hawaii. Um, he actually was on his way to Vietnam and um, got injured while he was in Hawaii training for Vietnam, got injured while training and um, ended up being able to somehow arrange to be stationed in Hawaii. And he moved us here in the late 60s. What an amazing journey, Tina. How did you decide to get involved in architecture, Terry? Uh, I I had a leaning in art. I mean, I've always, you know, little sketches and drawings as I grew up. But I don't know, at some point I figured, maybe maybe the money thing would be important in, in my later life. So I, I leaned into architecture. And, and um, I tell you, I've loved it ever since. I started working in an architect's office probably my freshman year in college, and I've never left. It's always been great and fun. Well, your architecture is beautiful, Terry, and the buildings that you create and the residential properties really enhance Hawaii and Hawaii's beauty. Where did you end up developing your your knack for architecture? Where did you go to school? Well, I, I went to school in, in Albuquerque, of all places. That's actually where my dad was born and grew up there. And boy, that was the, the, the beehive of uh, solar and environmental and sustainability. You know, this is back in 71. And this was, um, it, it was a fantastic uh, journey with working for an architect there, Antoine Predock, who became world famous. And, and uh, it was an exciting experience, eventually then moving, moving to Kona and, and developing uh, my own businesses here. Well, New Mexico is um, known for its artistic elements, and Santa Fe is just really an amazing place. And I think that you had mentioned that you worked on Georgia O'Keeffe's gallery, art gallery. Is that right? Yeah, one of the last years I was in Albuquerque working on it, and uh, we were work- I actually worked on the chapel and some of the other galleries, and another portion of the group worked on the Georgia O'Keeffe expansion. And it's funny because I left before it was completed. And I think I've gone back to Santa Fe three times. And every time I've gone up there, it was closed. Oh. So I've missed it. I, I hear it's good. It's, it's really fun and beautiful. <laughs> it is actually beautiful. We were just there with my husband and thoroughly enjoyed it. So it turned out great. So thank you, Terry. Uh, and Tina, you were involved actually in more of um, diving and scuba diving. And you owned... A, a wonderful and very successful diving shop called Jack's Diving Locker. Right. Tell us how you got involved in that, please. Oh, my gosh. So I, um, at the time, well, let me back up a little bit. Um, when I was 18 years old, my dad said, let's take a scuba class together. So I said, okay. Hadn't thought about that, but okay. And I loved it. And I, I really realized that that was my element. And I felt at home in the water. Well, ultimately, ultimately, I married my scuba instructor, and he and I moved to, his name was Jack, and we moved to Kona the day after Christmas, 1979. And we worked for another dive operation at that time. And again, this, this is the story of my life. He came home one day and said, let me take you to your new dive shop. And so <laughs> we went down into Kailua Kona and um, he showed me this little 10 by 20 space in the Kona Inn shopping village and said, this is going to be Jack's diving locker. And so that was the beginning. 
Um, we opened the store on August 1st, 1981. Um, he actually passed away on March 3rd, 1982. So it was never our intention, but I had myself my own little dive shop. <laughs> and um, the rest is history. It's, it's Well, we know that Jack's diving locker is still a special place for a lot of divers there in Kona, and mm -hmm. it's still functioning well. But after Jack's diving locker, it sounded like you did a lot of work with the American Cancer Society. I did, you know, and, and I, I have to go back to Jack's Diving Locker as the beginning of my work in uh, nonprofits. Um, one of the one of the the important tenets of our work in Jack's Diving Locker was caring for the environment, and um, one way to to really build consensus around that is to create a nonprofit, be involved with nonprofit, and bring you know create a grassroots around those efforts. So. Um, that's where my nonprofit career actually started. And when the day came when I realized that it was time to move on from Jack Steinlocker to maybe tell a different story, um, I actually gravitated towards nonprofits. And one of those nonprofits was the American Cancer Society. And I worked with the American Cancer Society for 16 years. Incredible. You have done so much for the community, Tina. As well, Terry, both of you have given so much to the Hawaiian community. So then how did your paths cross, Terry and Tina? How did you meet each other? Well, we actually uh, lived in the same town for many uh, 10 years or something, mm -hmm. and we kind of crossed paths. I just remember uh, taking my son down to a store in town to look at the fish in the uh, the aquarium in this sh little shop, which was Jack's Diving Locker. Oh. And we would vis go and visit down there, but we never met. I knew that there was two women working in the shop, and they were cute and stuff, but we were actually, <laughs> you know, my son, wanted to, he knew all the names of the fish and all this. And um, years later, we had a, a actually a, uh, a common friend, and, and she introduced us, a blind date. Oh, what yeah. a story. Thank you for sharing that. What was one of your first, what was your date like? Did I bring my wallet that time? You did bring your wallet that time. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the few times. <laughs> the woman that introduced us was um, a great friend, Margie Wong, and great friend of Terry's, and she was actually a volunteer for one of the nonprofits that I was working with currently, which was Recycle Hawaii. And um, she and I were talking one day, and I was lamenting about this breakup I had just gone through, and she said, well, I know someone that I think you'd enjoy. And so she described Terry and um, said, should I have him call you? And I said, sure. And and she asked Terry, and he said, yeah, okay. And um, so we we went to dinner that night. And I remember what you had. You had duck. <laughs> <laughs> Something fancy. Something fancy. Yeah. Did Because um, I know that you also love to, to share coffee and, and drink coffee. Did you have some coffee after dinner as well and some good stories to share oh i don't know if i drank coffee at night because that caffeine <laughs> keeps me up i mean our, my usual thing is the morning thing you know mm -hmm. the morning coffee is is coming to be quite a ritual you tell know. us about that well please, you Terry. know 
for some reason, Tina thinks that I make better coffee than her. He does. <laughs> and, and when it's cold and stuff, somehow it doesn't make sense. But she convinces me that I make better coffee. So I'm up. You know, we do a French press thing. And, and, but her mom, English, you don't just pour coffee in a cup. The coffee cup has to be warmed. It's right. very, very important, okay. very important. And so, you know, the, the coffee has to, you have to pour hot water in the coffee and, and uh, in the coffee cup. And then uh, you wait, you know, of course, for the French press. And, um, and uh, then, the, you know, the cream, you got to have the cream just right. Not too much, not too little. You know, we that, have two different sweeteners well. and stuff. You have to wipe <laughs> the bottom of the cup before you bring it into the bedroom <laughs> for the queen to have her coffee. <laughs> So that's the ritual. Well, that's a great ritual. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Well, it's been so fun to share how you met and a little bit about your early times. Tell us, please, Terry, um, have you had some fun meetings with some of your clients? How do you balance sort of what makes sense from an architectural standpoint and what makes sense? You know, your client has some specific ideas in mind. How do you balance that quickly before we go to the break? That is a balancing trick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, I have my own, uh, you know, come out of a regional architecture, which is based in this space. Just like when I was in New Mexico, things are totally different than they are in, in Hawaii. And then the owners, of course, come with their backgrounds and stuff. So it's a lot of listening and, you know. A lot of architects that do residential work, uh, you know, joke about, you know, they should have a psychology degree, you know, family planning, <laughs> family planning, yes. is that it? You know, couples planning. And, but it, it, it's, it takes time just to listen and, and input and share, and that's how you end up with your, de- with your design. You do a great job listening, Terry, and um, I can imagine your clients really appreciate that. And uh, you always come up with a great end product. I've seen your designs and the homes that you build, and they're they're spectacular. Um, listeners, we're going to be taking a quick break. We've been having so much fun with Terry Sisko and Tina Clothier, and we're going to be talking a little bit more after the break about what the organization PATH does and what are some of Tina's current current projects with PATH. So please join us right after the break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. 
What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We're having such a nice time with our special guests, Terry Sisko and Tina Clothier. We're talking about caring for the Hawaiian community and with some fun coffee stories along the way. And we were just sharing a little bit about Terry and Tina's early days, their personal journeys, how they got involved um, with what they do. Terry is a successful and famous architect here in Hawaii and does beautiful buildings that really beautify Hawaii. And Tina is involved as executive director at People's Advocacy for Trails Hawaii, also known as PATH. And Tina, we'd love to share with our listeners, listeners a little bit that all about PATH and what they do and what are some of your projects that you're doing. Sure. So PATH actually um, is an advocacy organization and we advocate for cyclists and for pedestrians and really for active transportation and places where people can enjoy active transportations like sidewalks and bike lanes and separated bike paths and things of that nature. We've actually been around for 31 years. Wow. And the um, origins of PATH um, actually also relate back to Jack Steinlocker, believe it or not. Um, back in 1986, there was a young man named Ronnie Fennell who sailed through the Panama Canal, sailed to Hawaii. He was in his early 20s, and he was just one of those people that walk into a room and instantly people like him. And he used to hang out at Jack's Diving Locker, and he... Um, was so enchanted with the concept of Ironman, Ironman triathlons, that he went out and got a bike and um, started riding on Queen Kaumano Highway, um, part of the Ironman course, and was hit by a motorist and killed. And um, so that galvanized the athletic community of which I was a part at that time. And um, that's how PATH started. Oh, I see. We all gathered together and said, we've got to advocate for these bike lanes and safety for cyclists. And then we developed into a little broader base. We also included pedestrians. The trail that PATH has just created um, up there, a little bit above the, the lower highway, mm-hmm. 
really made a difference for for a lot of cyclists and pedestrians. And I know that's something that you had recently done. How did that project go? So that was a vision that PATH had since 1997. And um, our last mayor, Mayor Kanoi, was a, a triathlete. And so he was very open to the idea of, again, facilities for, for pedestrians and, and cyclists. And so we... Um, it was actually Grant Miller, um, who owns um, BikeWorks, was talking to Mayor Kanoi about the fact that PATH wanted to do this this um, separated bike path or separated path. And um, so Mayor Kanoi listened intently. And then about a month later, I was in on sharing a stage with Mayor Kanoi. And he said, Tina, that, that Queensway, that bike path, that shared use path, and he said, let's talk about it. He said, Let's get all the stakeholders together and make it happen. And that was in July of 2015. And by August 29th of uh, 2016, we had our first mile of the shared use path down. And later that year, by the end of the year, we um, the additional two miles was put down. So now we have our first 5K of shared use path on Anikeo Kolole is the name of the road. And it wasn't just the path, too. It was uh, part of the community came out to help some of the Rotarians. And oh, my gosh, yeah. So, trees. yeah, so for the first mile, um, the the Rotary Clubs of West Hawaii, you know, um, they were celebrating their centennial year, and they um, – they wanted to do a, a project, and so they actually gave money and manpower, person power, to plant 100 trees along that first mile of Anikeo Kolo in the Queensland. Or almost donated from uh, Kelly Greenwell. And, well, uh, a lot of the trees were donated through through Kelly, and then Iron Man Foundation actually gave us a donation of $35,000 um, for some of the trees, for the benches, for the soil, for all the things you need to do to, to beautify a pathway. Um, Karen Eoff, our council person, also donated $10,000 in her contingency fund. So it was a real community effort, and that pathway is, has become a real community asset. Thank you for doing that, Tina, and to the entire team, because it is truly a wonderful community asset, and everyone appreciates it, enjoys it. You also do with PATH some of these runs um, throughout the year, and people come from all over the world to do these runs. How does that go? What's, um, what are you, how are you involved with those runs, please? So when PATH first started 31 years ago, we thought, oh, we've got to raise funds, so let's have a run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so 31 years ago, the PATH run was, was it was actually called the Kona Community Safety Lane Run, but um, it's since become the PATH run and it actually is a kickoff event for the Ironman triathlons so oh, hence right. people come from all over the world and they do this for them for the athletes it's a training run for their families it's a fun way to you know to run while they're in Kona and for our Kona community it's a great way for our um, our residents to you know really test themselves against 
uh, elite athletes from around the world. In fact, it's the path run is known as the fastest 10K in the state. And, oh. <laughs> and just a little coffee, coffee story. Um, one of the runners in every single one of our runs, and we put on four a year, but in every one of our runs is John Kunataki from the Kunataki uh, coffee farms. Fantastic. And one of the things that John does for us is he donates a pound of coffee for all the overall and age group winners. And it's very well received by our participants. I can imagine that's very popular and motivating. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's so nice of him to do that. Mm-hmm. How fun is that? Well, I know, Terry, you help a lot with the runs as well. Um, in addition to still doing your architecture, what was one of the latest projects you worked on? Oh, let's see. Well, actually, the I mean architecturally. Yes, yeah, architecturally. Kind of a change. I, I I have been doing. You know, I spoke earlier about regional design. You know, when I was in New Mexico, it was you know flat roofs and all stucco. And I moved here. You know, it was pitched roof and lanais and things. Well, in Kona, it's nice and pleasant. You know, it always is nice and pleasant because of there's there's very low winds. I just did a house in Havi, which is on the north end of the island, closer to Maui. It's like a wind tunnel out there. I mean, 50 mile an hour winds. And I just couldn't see myself doing that same design in Kona as out there. And so it was, it was a lot more contemporary, but it really had to do with uh, the views to Maui, which are spectacular out of that end of the island, and the so the wind, the protect your openings, you know, protect your entries, protect your outdoor uh, entertaining areas. That was quite a trick. It was fun, different. That's you bring up a really interesting thought, and that is how to work with the Hawaiian microclimates and different sort of environments. So how do, do you just kind of study the land, or how do you do that? Now, I'm not sure, but I don't know if there's there 10 microclimates on the Big Island. At least. I think it starts, it starts at Tundra because there is a permanently frozen lake up on the top of the 13,800. Almost 14,000. Almost 14,000 feet. And then everything else from desert to tropical. So, yeah, every single job in Hilo, I noticed that the rain is different than in Kona. In Kona, it just drops straight down. In, in in Hilo, it's like this mist that just comes in from the ocean. And then I know up in Waimea, uh, which is, you know, up higher, um, it's like heavy horizontal rain. So all those places are all totally different. Soils are somewhat different in a lot of the places. Yeah, so it's, a, you know, it's, it's, that's why it makes it interesting. Wind direction. Yeah, yeah, wind direction. Sun, you know, working on the Kona side, you get, you know, the sunsets in the west. Well, when you go Hilo side, you you get all flipped around. (laughs) That's true. The solar's on that side of the house, the south, not the north. That's true. How did that house turn out in Javi that you worked on? Well, actually, the owners, we just got invited to the blessing. Yep. So we'll have a, a Hawaiian blessing, you know, you want to say things about the land and be sure that everything that happened on the land before is accepted by the new owners and that the land itself accepts them. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful ceremony, which happens in most Hawaiian home, you know, most projects I work on is in most every project. Mm-hmm. You always have a blessing before you cut the land. 
and and to you know talk about the, the what has happened there and who are the Kapuna, who are the older people that, that have history in that land, and it's all accepted and it's all okay. Oh, that's so beautiful. Uh, how So who does the blessing typically, Terry? Oh, I mean, Danny Akaka has done most of the blessings that I, uh, you know, the homes that, are, that I've done. Um, but there's different um, ministers, you know, that are more, more Hawaiian, more uh, Christian, but most of them, you know, speak and chant in, in Hawaiian. Yes. Um, to talk about and 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 to talk about the place because the blessing it changes just like the environment changes. There's a different blessing for Javi and a different blessing for South Point and on the Big Island. Oh, that's fascinating. Speaking of Danny Akaka, I know he's done blessings and he's such a wonderful gentleman. Tina, wasn't he also the one who blessed the path? He was, right. The new path that you had done. That's right. So Danny Akaka and his wife, Anna, came and and, um, did a beautiful blessing. And um, immediately after um, the blessing, we... um, had a group of children. Um, they're they're part of the Lava Kids group. This is this this very young group of of runners, and they did a, a fun run. So so we combined the blessing and then this Lava Kids fun run, and it was just a, a great opening for the pathway. That is a wonderful opening. How would you describe Tina? A little bit about the Hawaiian community. We've touched on it. We. A little bit how, yes, we will bless the land and the mm-hmm. community pulls together. But how would you describe the Kona community? Oh, my gosh. It's it's so varied. You know, there are, um, I have friends who have lived in, in Kailua Kona in, in West Hawaii since small kid time. They're born and raised, Kekioka Aina. And then I have friends that are relatively new to the community. And my experience in West Hawaii, especially around um, active transportation, just active living, is that, that everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome, and there's that expectation that you will you will um, roll up your sleeves and you will help out and you will work. And so we see in in my world because I'm I'm doing a lot of races as you mentioned and a lot of um, organizing a lot of volunteer work. I see people from all walks of life come out and and really um, help out. We have on on Queensway on. On Ikeokalole, we have those trees that we spoke of earlier, and um, we have various people who have adopted a tree or two. And so they, because there's no irrigation out there, um, they are basically, they've taken on the responsibility of watering those trees twice a week. And, you know, and, and some families have gone a little further and they add soil and they add mulch and some decorate their trees for the holidays. <laughs> But it's it's a great example of the community sort of taking ownership and and just wanting to to make the place that we all live in and share, you know, um, nicer and healthier and better for all of us. That is so beautifully stated. I would feel the same way if I described the Kona coffee community. It's truly like that. The uh, Kona coffee community pulls together and 
I find that fellow farmers help each other. Um, the other day I ran out of um, some coffee burlap sacks and I happened to ca- call a, a coffee farmer in Halualoa and he said, no problem. I've got some here for you. You can borrow. Just come on over. And we really do help each other. And, and I think it, it shows the sense of community in Kona Coffee um, area here in Halualoa, as well as we had Tom Greenwell on the show a few weeks ago who talked about how they had started their coffee farm, oh, when his great-grandfather came over from England, and just how he shares, how he shares his learning and knowledge with other coffee farmers is really beautiful, and I, I think it speaks of what this community is all about. So thank you for sharing that, Tina. Really appreciate it. It's been so fun to chat a little bit more about what PATH does and how you organize these runs and how you've done trails. And we look forward to hearing also more about how you've done the bike share program Mm -hmm. here in the community. And oh, visitors as well as just even locals love Mm -hmm. that and appreciate that. And we'll come back and talk a little bit more also with Terry and some of his projects down the road as soon as we come back after the break. And thank you so much for joining us. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. News, opinion, Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. What a fun time we're having here with Tina Clothier and Terry Sisko talking about 
caring for the Hawaiian community and sharing some fun coffee stories along the way. We were just talking about all the good that um, Tina's organization does in setting up trails so that people can ride their bikes or run that are safe, Um, trails that sort of bring Hawaiian beauty to a lot of our locals and visitors where they can access places and you cut through trails for those beautiful forest walks, Mm -hmm. etc. We were going to talk a little bit more with Tina about some of the projects that PATH does that help our Kona community with the bike share program, which is such a fun (laughs) program and a new one. And tell us, please, how that's going, Tina. Sure. Well, it's it's going quite well. We, um, just a little bit of background, back in 2015, the the then director of the County of Hawaii Research and Development Department, uh, Kavehe Inaba, came to PATH and said, I was just on the mainland. I saw this bike share thing. Can you help us bring this to Hawaii County? And we said yes, because we thought that that really did fit well with our our mission Definitely. to safely connect people and places in Hawaii Island. And so um, we were asked to do a bike share pilot project. Um, and there was a tremendous amount of learning that took place in that from 2015 to the time we launched the pilot project uh, in August of 2016. It was a big year for PATH. It was 2016. And we launched with three bike share stations and um, 32 bikes. Very small project. Um, we're ripe for expansion. Um, we have a vision of having 10 stations in Kailua Kona up and down Ali'i Drive um, and just out to, towards Kona Commons. And the county is now very interested in having a bike share system in Hilo. So, fantastic. We, yeah. We see it as an opportunity to eventually, as um, our county develops its mass transit program, to to tie into our bus system that's that's being um, developed as a more robust system, and offer transportation in that first or last mile for Hawaii residents. Well, that's incredible, and I do see those cute blue bikes being ridden everywhere in Kona and thanks to you and your team for making that happen and exciting to see that expand. Um, That bike share program was so successful that isn't it also something that was then tried in Honolulu? Actually, um, Honolulu had been planning for their bike share program for about four years before they launched last year in June. But um, <laughs> we we actually um, learned about their, their plans. So we um, started to collaborate with them and decided to have the same system, the same types of bikes. And because there's lots of different bike share systems, but we, we decided to have the same as theirs and similar pricing. So there was a lot of learning that, uh, we received or from them, but then we were able to actually get on the ground more quickly than they were because our system was so small and we didn't need as, as much of an investment. So we actually ended up being sort of a beta tester for the whole oh, system. So what we're hopeful about is that as people travel between islands, that they'll recognize that this is a similar bike share system and they'll be familiar with it and comfortable with it. And That's a great idea. Yeah, and then maybe take it statewide. Who knows? Oh, well, I wish you well with that, which is... Um it's really a great program, so thanks for doing that. Terry, with your architecture, you have such creativity, and 
Um, I know that you also do beautiful watercolor paintings. Thank you. <laughs> and it's fun how your paintings are of Hawaiian landscapes and Hawaiian beauty. And a lot of times you'll share your paintings with various organizations or um, if it's maybe for a good cause or something like that. How did you start doing your watercolors? Oh, we, I say we because... Uh... Clem Lamb is another architect on the Big Island. We started working together in the 80s, 1980 actually, and um, both of us said, you know, we're both architects, so we're both, you know, graphically inclined and had done drawings before, but we never really got into watercolor. So just we started taking our kids and we would go out to the beach, you know, and we would watercolor. and got to the point where we thought, hey, we've got enough of this stuff. What are we going to do with it? So we had <laughs> some art shows in the actual office that we were working in, and it went great. So that was, you know, that that's how we started. So, I mean, even now, we take trips um, every year since 1990, I think it was, along the inaccessible coast of the Big Island. So there's no roads. So it's like what 2,000 foot cliffs down to the ocean so we paddle uh, in kayaks and we go from one beach to another inaccessible beach an accessible beach to an inaccessible beach and we camp there and uh, it's uh, talking about coffee it's always funny because uh, my uh, business partner uh, John Dinmore who lives on instant coffee <laughs> you know is just nobody can handle instant coffee on a camping trip you have to bring your french press <laughs> you know so here he is immediately having his coffee right away but we take our time and we have our french press and everybody has their you know somebody says don't stir it so much you're bruising the coffee <laughs> so i don't really know but of course that's camping everybody's got a little thing they've got to say uh, but anyway that's that, that's, yeah, that's really a, f a fun thing and to do with camping and coffee. <laughs> such a fun thing. You capture, your watercolors really capture. Oh, I forgot the end of the story. The beautiful <laughs> so, so So we're, we're kayaking out there so we can only, we always take our painting gear. And, and, but you have to size your painting paper to the size of the hatch. It goes into your kayak. So we're limited to something 12 inches by 14 inches, something like that. And we try to produce, you know, maybe two paintings. And it's, they're fantastic because nobody else, who paints in Waimanu Valley? I mean, oh. it's just the two of us. You know? <laughs> yes. The painting that um, I've seen of your YPO Valley is, is really spectacular. Yeah, that's, that's, it's amazing that the depth of those valleys, I mean, they go from, you know, bright, sunny out at the beach, and they go back into these dark, purpley, dark green valleys, way in the end of the valley with clouds sort of coming and going. It's, it's a great subject. It's, it's, it always changes, always different. The light's always different. Your creativity, when are you finding that you have your most amount of creativity come out? What inspires that? Mornings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After you coffee. Know, after, after coffee. coffee. <laughs> or take coffee. You know, we, we, you know, heading out, I always do feel much more creative in the morning and more excited, you know. Yes. Well, first of all, the light is better. You know, the, the, the long shadows, um, 
you know, I usually take a camera because watercolors are fast, but they're not that fast. So you, you start, you know, sketching and if the light is right, you take a picture, but then you start laying down the base of your painting. And then maybe, you know, if you don't finish it, you take it home and, and, and complete it. But it's what a wonderful thing, you know, it was such a wonderful thing with uh, a family, young family to go out and, and spend a day and paint and j- jump in the water and pull out. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. And thus so, landscapes, you know. I, yes. I haven't done any people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds magical, Terry. Well, and Tina, also, you're so creative with your photographs and how you go out to capture that early morning light. You'll get up very early and have that early morning coffee as you're out there. Right. Tell us about your photography. So we, we take our coffee with us on our, our photo um, expeditions, but I was always very envious of Terry and the way he was able to capture a feeling of a place and the moment. And so I began taking photos and um, with a lot of a lot of uh, guidance from Terry. But um, we, one of our favorite ways to play is to get our coffee ready in our thermoses and get out of the house at three thirty in the morning. And you know we've already decided what the subject of the photo is going to be and what we you know, what the composition should be, but actually being on site either just before the light starts, you know, or, or as the light um, is, is coming up. And if you're shooting in the morning, you, you've, you've got to shoot pretty fast because as Terry mentioned, it, it changes very, very quickly. And, um, you know, and, and every, depending on where the the sun is, you're going to get different reflections or different shadows. But one of my favorite times of day to shoot is actually at at night before the sun comes up. So while it's still dark and that way there's a little more time and you're getting, you're getting a a whole different feel um, of of a site. Um, One of our favorites was shooting a willy willy tree, um, up on Mamalohoa Highway, and we did get up at 3.30 in the morning. We climbed over cattle walls. a rock wall <laughs> carefully, and uh, and I say we took this picture. It was a collaboration because Terry was standing there with a, a flashlight, and he was actually painting the tree with light as I was taking the photos, and oh. the outcome of that, that um shoot was this beautiful willy willy tree with this golden color and the gorgeous clouds um, that were reflecting the, the moonlight as it was setting and you could still see in the upper left hand corner the stars so it's yeah, my it's favorite really, photo I think my most successful yeah those are fun trips that was that was a fun oh, way to so play uh, YPO that you know we're oh, driving right. down early you brought up YPO that was a fantastic uh, photograph we uh, started off early going down that at oh dark 30 yeah. you know in the uh, dark in the dark <laughs> down a 25% grade road that's a very steep road, steep road for very our scary. listeners this is a valley that is quite steep but uh, remarkable it's it's uh, one of a kind place that um, is, is spectacular I can't believe you did that early morning where it's dark <laughs> four wheel drive yeah we got down there and the and the, uh, the way the river was running was odd it was running down the beach instead of straight out to the ocean and it formed this mirror it would wash the waves would wash mm-hmm. over this perfectly it was like a lens of sand 
and it would reflect the picture that Tina took. It will, oh, uh, the Valley Wall, and yeah, so that that was exciting. So, so those early morning adventures with your thermos, with our <laughs> thermos of coffee, are are some of our our favorite moments. Uh, Tina, thank you for sharing that. Your photographs are beautiful, Tina, thank and. You. You also have this technique where you can put them on plates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how does that process work? So there's there's a, a you know a number of companies that actually do this, but these are um, these are basically aluminum plates, and they really depending on the subject and the, and the colors, they really make them pop. You know, yes. um, for example, uh, volcanic lava photos just look amazing on, on aluminum right. and it's a, um, a process that's I send the photos off electronically and then it's a process that's done by the lab bay photos is the one I use and but the great thing about that particular um, uh, way of, of showing the photos is that they can be outdoors or indoors, you know, but they just really, I think it, it just adds a sparkle that you don't get with a canvas. Or yes. A That's why I recommend to some of my clients that, you know, you have your, your lanai, which you live on your outdoor area, your patio or your, called lanai here is, you know, you have your furniture arrangement outside because you're going to be outside most anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you have a wall there, put up one of those paintings and, the, you know, humidity doesn't hurt them. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. And they're point. great. So it feels like it's an outdoor living room. You know, it right. feels really great. Oh, that's so yeah, true. Mm-hmm. You, those photographs make you do, you feel like you're outside. Yeah. When you, oh, what a great idea. Uh, speaking of, about the Hawaiian community, and there's so many ways that you truly help the community um, by what you do through PATH, through your beautiful architecture, um, and we've talked a lot about how the community pulls together. How would you say, um, what is most gratifying about what you do, Tina? Oh, oh my gosh. Um, one of the programs of PATH is, um, is teaching fourth graders how to ride bikes. And sometimes these kids have never ridden a bike before oh. or never ridden a bike without training wheels and just watching them get you know, the balance and then just seeing their faces light up and, and just and remembering the freedom that I felt when I first learned how to ride a bike and knowing that they now have that opportunity, I think is really great. But we were we had our bike share bikes in a Christmas parade last year and we had the path banner in between the two of the lead bikes. And as we were riding very slowly down Ali'i Drive in the parade, we would have several kids um, yell out, Path, you taught me how to ride oh. a bike. And I mean, this went that's so the whole length of a lead drive. Oh. So that was great. So that's an example. Um, every time I see people, especially families, using the, the, the pathway, Queensleigh, that just warms my heart. Um, when I start to hear from people in government saying, Yes, and Queensleigh and, you know, the fact that it's becoming institutionalized and it is, yes. it's a given that this is a good thing and it's its a community asset, then that really gives me hope that, that those efforts will be able to continue. And um, so I think it's just mostly it's its seeing those, those dreams come to fruition. When I say those dreams, I mean dreams from people before me yes. come to through fruition and then knowing that, yes, this is what the community wants and desires and that it will continue. 
So amazing. And we're so grateful to you, Tina. It's a privilege. (laughs) And Terry, how would you describe your most gratifying moments of of architecture and what you do or your watercolors? Oh, um, I guess just the, um, the excitement, you know, you never know how, you know, a piece of art or, or a piece of architecture, you know, will be accepted or not. And when somebody that buys a piece of art and is, is excited about it as I am, um, and uh, the same thing that if I hit the mark on on different parts of a house, maybe not the whole, but you know, if it's it's it really is gratifying, and it it makes me want to start the next job, you know, the next project, just to to get that feedback. That's amazing. You probably both have met so many wonderful people in the community and your clients. Do you often meet over a cup of coffee? Oh, it's. I mean, you have all of your at the downtown at the. Uh, so all of my path meetings. Yeah, and maybe, I, I maybe the, everybody's meetings in town. I think maybe, but um, I have the privilege of being able to work at at home, you know, yeah. which is great. And I'm very seldom home because I have most of my meetings at Kona Coffee and Tea, with oh, a little coffee yeah. shop in in Kailua Kona off of Palani Road. And they are so gracious, you know, and I've often said, oh, I'm so sorry I kept this table for so long. And they no, 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 we love this, you know. And what a great place for people to gather. And, and you know, it's Seriously, there are days when I am there a good portion of the day having meeting after meeting after meeting. So I feel like you talk about community assets, that's definitely one. So absolutely. Yeah. And they have events there too. And they do. Yeah. Yeah, They're doing a great job. I'm just so happy to see them busy and full. And well, all that you do, Tina and Terry, for the Hawaiian community is truly appreciated. And we're so thankful to both of you for taking time and joining us and being part of my favorite coffee story today. It's been such a nice time to have you and and we just feel so honored to have heard your stories, your inspiring journeys, all that you do with the community here in Hawaii. So thank you to both of you, Tina and Terry, for joining us today. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us at My Favorite Coffee Story. We've had such such a nice time together. We really have enjoyed learning a little bit more about the Hawaiian community. And of course, all the good that Tina and Terry do for the community. We're so grateful. And of course, we've heard some fun coffee stories along the way. So thank you for sharing that. And of course, we love continuing the conversation with questions. We love hearing from our listeners. You can always send us some questions at radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. And we love sharing our Anikona gift on anikona.com for our listeners. So please, we wish you a wonderful, relaxing week. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you back next week on My Favorite Coffee Story. In the meantime, we wish you an aloha. 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 Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.